Good morning. Good morning. Okay. I'm starting my timer because I like to chat. You guys know that. I'm starting my timer. And Miranda gave me two extra minutes. Wasn't that beautiful? You know what? I just love hearing voices lifted up to heaven. And isn't it cool to have all these women in one room just lifting up their voices to the King of Kings? I just think it's a beautiful way to start a Saturday or any day, right? Okay, so my name is Jen Evangelista, Jennifer Evangelista. I know that Kristen already sort of introduced me, but for those of you I don't know, um, I am not usually the one behind this pulpit. That would be my husband, and it makes me a little nervous to be up here, but we're going to make it through. So here's the thing. I, at the beginning of these conversations and when it was decided that I was going to do these talks, I was like, okay, that's great. I'm going to be on the floor, on the ground, right, with you guys. I'm going to be on the ground in the little small little pulpit, and then we get in here, and there's so many of you beautiful women that are here, and some of you, I was told that table 28 would not be able to see me if I was on the ground. So here I am, and we're going to get through this, right? So just think of me as being on the ground right here next to you. Um, All right, and also, it's so cool to see so many different, I don't want to say demographics, but demographics as far as ages, different ages here. Can I say that? Is that fair? Okay, Um, we've got middle schoolers, we've got all the way up through not middle schoolers, and it's awesome. It's really, really cool to see. It's just a real uh, blessing and a pleasure, and hopefully you'll have the opportunity to meet someone new today around your table or as we're kind of milling around. So um, so God is very good. God is good. Um, If you are a note taker, FYI, there are... There are pens behind you. There's Bible behind you if you want it. There are lots of note sheets in, in the, don't, don't feel obligated to use them, but there are note sheets in your booklet. And so you're welcome to use that. And then there's also a little outline that kind of covers all the scripture that we're going to go over. And we'll email that to you later. And so don't feel like super pressure if you've, you know, if you like, are like me and you like to catch every scripture and it's okay. It's okay. No pressure. No pressure. Um, I have titled this talk this morning though, A Life Transformed. Okay. That's the title. Title. A Life Transformed. So here's the deal. Who wants this? <laughs> Who, what part of your life, your body, your mind, your marriage, your parenting, your home, your personality, what part Um, of you do you want to see transformed? Okay, think about it for me just a minute. And then think about it in light of your Christian walk, right? In light of our Christian walk, fast forward 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, think about what you want to look like, what you want your, you know, what you want those around you to speak about you. Um, This past week, my, some of you know, my grandmother uh, passed away, and we had her celebration on Wednesday, and it was a beautiful, beautiful celebration of life. She actually turned 100 years old in April, um, and I know, it's beautiful. And so we had a time of remembering her life, her legacy, if you will, but not just her legacy, but the legacy of God's faithfulness in her life. And that's kind of what I want us to think about when we think about a life transformed, not what we will look like, but what does it say about the kingdom of God? What does our life say about God's faithfulness? Okay? 
So the greatest example of transformation, of course, most of us in this room, many of us, and I'm not going to presume, but many of us have already um, been able to, we were able to claim, and that is at the moment of salvation, right? That's not what we're going to talk about specifically today, but it's critical to understand. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you have been in this room on a Sunday morning, you have heard the presentation of the gospel. And I, if you are a member of Crosspoint, you have explained the gospel, in a, in, in, and you are learning. And if you are not, then I, I encourage you to be able to explain it in a very clear way. In the service we had this week, Brad had the honor of, um, of officiating um, the, my grandmother's celebration, and the gospel was laid out in a very clear way. Because we don't know who's in the room with us, right? And so we need to be able to understand and be able to say we were sinners. God sent his perfect son to live a life that we could never live because we are sinners. And then he died a death that we 100% deserved because we are sinners. And because of that death on the cross, he took our sin, right? But he didn't just take it. He exchanged it. For his righteousness. What is that called, ladies? That exchange? Uh, did I hear it? Justification. That exchange, propitiation, right? He exchanged it for his righteousness. And now we're going to be able to stand righteous before a holy God when we otherwise most certainly could not. So that's the greatest transformation. But now what? So we're there. Let's say we're there, okay? Now what? Is there more transformation that we should strive for? Okay, um, we do not need to be transformed anymore to be considered right with God. But let's look at a couple more verses. All right. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians three eighteen, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Ephesians 4, and 24, put off your old self, which belongs to your formal manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And then Romans 12, 2, a verse that most of us are very familiar with, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so there's obviously a lot, and there's a lot more in the Bible about transformation after this act of justification or, or salvation. And that, ladies, we call sanctification. That is what we're talking about, a transformation. So it does not matter if you are in middle school or if you are beyond middle school. We are all in this process if we are trusting in Christ, of transformation and sanctification. 
and becoming a life transformed. And that's what we're going to really, really dive in on and look at. So everybody has a note card in the pocket, the left pocket of your, you have a couple of note cards there, of your binder. So take that out. Go ahead and take that out. Take one of them out. There's a bunch of them. Oh, before I forget, the other ones, and Kristen, I think, may have mentioned this. I was trying to get this all squared away. Um, the other ones for any questions that you might have. Okay, good. I see some nods. So put those on there because we'll be doing those at the end of the afternoon of picking those up and answering questions. Not just me, the whole panel of beautiful women. But on one of the note cards, I want you to look at it, and I want you to write down one aspect of your spiritual life you would like to see transformed in the next three months, six months, nine months, ten years. I don't care when. I don't care what it is. It needs to be a big picture. Big picture. Just think about maybe, maybe you have to do, and I, and I did it on a note card so you can stick it back in the pocket so nobody has to see it, okay? Because think about where... When you think of your walk with God, you may feel like there needs to be some growth. There needs to be some transformation. We all have those. We all have them. We have lots of them, actually. You have more than one. I'm just asking you to put one. Think about one. Think about it. Put it, write it down. Big picture. I'm not going to give you examples because I want you to just put whatever the first thing comes to your mind and then stick it back in your folder, okay? While you're thinking about that, let's think about transformations for just a minute. In particular, I want to think about the transformation of, like, for example, a diamond. Everyone, um, if you have seen a diamond, if you have a diamond on your body somewhere or something that looks similar to a diamond, um, if you do not, you can draw a diamond in your book. Um, I don't care. I just want some visual representation of a diamond. Think about a diamond, okay? And let me just tell you really, really briefly what has to happen for that to become a diamond. It has to have a carbon source, meaning animal or plant remains, buried trees, leaves, marine or whatever. It's got to have a carbon source. It can be organic or inorganic, like um, minerals, like graphites. So we've got to have a carbon source. We're deep, deep, deep in the earth mantle when this starts. The transformation of the carbon into diamond occurs about a 90 to 120 miles below the earth's surface. Okay? And the conditions are characterized by very high temperatures up to 2,400 degrees Celsius, which is like 4,300 degrees for us Americans. Um, it, it's a high pressure up to 725,000 pounds per square, fit, feet, square inch. That's a lot of pressure. Okay? Then you get all this heat. The high heat and the high pressure, right, it arranges the carbon into these lattice work, this crystal, this crystal lattice work um, that's the characteristic atomic structure of a diamond. All right, each of those, they, they form bonds with each other. And then there's this molten rock, this magma, molten rock, that plays a critical role because then it takes all those lattice things and it starts moving it up from the mantle, from the Earth's mantle core, and brings it up to the surface. As it's bringing it, it's cooling, and as it's cooling, it's crystallizing, right? And so then it crystallizes into this diamond-type rock, okay? This is extremely slow process. We're talking, like, years and years and years and years and years and years and years, all right? And then once it reaches the surface, then it has to go weathering and erosion, right? So that way it breaks apart into smaller pieces, and eventually, a miner is able to find it, right? They find it, and then they extract it, and, um, and then it's processed, and it's turned into the diamond that you are currently potentially wearing today, okay? 
So it's quite a process. It's a geological process that is very slow and it takes a vast amount of time. There are several, several examples in God's beautiful creation that's similar to this. Some that take a long time and some that take a little time, like a butterfly or a dragonfly. Look up their life cycle and see how complicated that is. The baby in the womb of his mother. What a complicated and beautiful transformation from a fertilized egg to a human person that you can squeeze, right? It's a human to begin with, but you can squeeze it until, until, they're, until they're out. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful process, right? It's complicated. God is in the business of transformation. It's amazing. But we have to recognize that sometimes it's hard. The real question when we want to grow is how hard are we going after it? How hard are we doing it? Do we see the growth that we want to see? How do we see the growth that we want to see? How do we do this? You know, how, how do, what's, our, what's our role in this? What's our role in this? Okay, so here's the part that doesn't sound as fun, but it's really good. Are you ready? So spoiler alert, this title is not just called A Life Transformed. It is called A Life Transformed Through Spiritual Disciplines. So discipline is a word we don't love. It sounds like work, because it is. But do you know what the result of discipline is? Transformation. Our transformation is not like the diamond dragonfly or even the baby in its wounds. Unlike our salvation, our transformation requires the work as mentioned above and requires discipline. Those things happen. God does those, those things. God is in the business of transformation. He will transform us. But this transformation that I'm talking about, this sanctification, it requires a little something from us. Okay, if you're disciplined in your education, those of you who are students, if you go to class, if you do your homework, if you study for your tests, you will go from an uneducated child to an educated member of society, and you will be transformed. If you're disciplined in your eating habits, you increase your fruits and vegetables, you drink your water, right, you decrease your processed food, you'll reduce your insulin resistance, risk of disease, maybe lose weight, you'll certainly improve your physical and mental health, and you will be transformed. If you're disciplined in your chosen craft or your profession or even something you just enjoy doing, if you practice your instrument, if you get on YouTube and find the knitting videos, right? If you go through your military training, no matter what you do, if you start and you work and you are disciplined, you will eventually be transformed into more of an expert in that field, if not an expert, right? If you're disciplined in your exercise, you will get up early, you will run, you'll lift the weights, when you don't feel like it, you'll sacrifice your time. The time it takes, you will be transformed. So what do you think it takes for transformation on the spiritual level? It takes discipline. Spiritual disciplines are practices and habits that Christians engage in to foster their spiritual growth. Okay? They deepen your relationship with God, and they conform you more closely to the character of Christ. Spiritual disciplines are an integral part of the Christian journey. You've all heard of them before. Whether you're practicing them or not, most of you are. But they are aiding in the process of sanctification, in this transformation which is becoming more like Christ. Donald Whitney wrote a book. We went through it in the women's, um, the women's what do you call that thing, lunch, right over there. I'm pointing to it. Um, a couple years ago. Well, actually, it's been a few years now. I had not I think it was like 2019. So it's been a few years. before It was before COVID. Said, uh, and he says in his book, 
Spiritual Disciplines for Godly Life, says, in my pastoral and personal Christian experience, I can say that I have never known a man or a woman who came to spiritual maturity except through discipline. Godliness comes through discipline. So spiritual disciplines are not just religious duties, but they are tools that facilitate a transformation, a transformative encounter with God. They are vehicles. Think of it like a vehicle that when you engage in it with sincerity and intentionality, it leads to the renewal of your mind that we talked about earlier and growth. So there are there's several characteristics of spiritual disciplines. I kind of think of them like there's four. They always have, so when you think about a discipline, right, there's a lot of disciplines, and a lot of them are really good. They may not be a spiritual discipline. So let's think about what makes it a spiritual discipline. Um, they always have the correct focus, which is the gospel. So journaling, for example, may be great. It may be great, and it may really help you. And there's a huge market for that right now, right? There's, you look up journal on Amazon and you'll get 5,000 million zillion responses. And they're all exactly the same with different covers, right? So journaling's a big deal. It's a great thing. But if it's not focused on Christ, that journaling may be good, but it's not a spiritual discipline, okay? So they can be found in the Bible or they're tethered to the Bible. You, you, will, you will find it in the Word. They will be tethered to the Word of God. They're practices, not just theories, all right? They're things we actually do or things that are overarching the things that we do, and I'll explain that in a minute. And then finally, they are a means, not an end, and this is so very important, ladies. We are to train ourselves for godliness, not just for the training's sake, not just for us to gain glory, not just to be better at Bible study, not just to be the one people call on to pray, not just to be the one who's good at this, that, or the other. We are called to train ourselves in godliness, to be trained for his glory, not our glory. It cannot just stop with us. The end point is to gain fruit to glorify, the, not ours, his, to glorify God and point this onlooking world to him more than ever. And I say that, and I think I can safely say it, the world's never been, since the fall, it's never been, you know, good. It's not like they were ever any good old days, you know, except, I guess, when Adam and Eve before the fall, maybe those were good. I mean, you know, we, we, but, but I can safely say, I mean, I've lived on this earth for a long time. I'm not going to tell you exactly how long, but a long time. I'm a grandmother, that'll help. The point is, is that I've lived on this earth a long time, and for those of you who have and those of you who have not, you see what the world looks like. You see how hard it is, and you see how much people need Christ. And if we as a church and as the people and the women of God are just doing these things for our own edification only so we can understand the word better, so we, those are great goals. But if that is it, then we are missing the mark because we have to glorify a God to an extent that the world sees it. And they are pointed to him. Right? Okay, so that's the characteristics of the spiritual discipline. We're going to quickly, super quickly, I've got, I've got my timer. I'm still good. I'm still good. By the way, this is super awkward. 
does he do this every week? He didn't have nearly as much hair as me, maybe. I'm like, it's all caught up in my hair. Okay. Anyway. Either here or there. Um, <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's talk about really quickly some spiritual disciplines. You know them. You probably know them all. You may be practicing them all. My guess is we're not all practicing them all, and that's okay because we're going to talk about that this afternoon. Here's the deal. This morning is a big picture overview. This afternoon, we're going to get in the weeds. We're going to get down and dirty. We're going to figure out exactly how we're going to make this happen. We are going to take steps in the right direction. You will leave this church today, okay, at the end of the day, you will leave with a plan. You will leave with a step you will take for your transformation, okay? You, I promise. All right, so hang tight. So let's do the, let's do the big picture, and then we're going to dive a little bit deeper this afternoon. So quickly, I'm going to talk about some of the spiritual disciplines, most of them you're familiar with. Again, we're going to pop through them. Bible intake, okay? Bible intake, Bible study. I, I'm not saying Bible study specifically because there's a lot of ways to take in the Bible, okay? Hearing the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word, meditating on the Word, memorizing the word, applying the word. There's probably a lot more, but I'm just kind of thinking through. There's a lot of ways to take the Bible in, the word of God in. And as believers, we want our lives to be centered around God's word. Scripture is the north star. It is, the, it is what guides our lives. It is the foundation on which we build everything because we know that our lives are only as strong as our foundation you guys know this, right? I know none of us, we may not be builders in here, but we know that our house is only as strong as our foundation, right? Our foundation has to be strong, and it has to be the Word of God. Because in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and guess what? Training in righteousness. That means that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, okay? So we have to build our transformation on the Word. All right, this afternoon we're going to be talking about more ways to dig into things. Oh, this whole quarter. Spoiler. I'm fixing to spoil it. I don't know where Kristen and Allison are, but I'm fixing to spoil the whole thing, okay? You guys are in on it. This whole quarter, for the next three months, and I know it's not a real quarter, we know that, but that's okay. For the next three months, we're going to be focusing as women of God and women of Crosspoint on this discipline of Bible intake. You're going to hear this afternoon all the ways in which we're going to do this because it is the rock, it is the foundation, and some of y'all are super great at this, and that's awesome because you're going to be able to teach others, okay? Some of you are feeling already convicted about this because you're like, I don't have time for this. And I get it. I get it. I don't have time either. But we're going to figure out how we're going to make it happen together. All right, ladies? So that was a little spoiler. Okay. It, takes, it is a great privilege to know God. And how do we know God but through his word? We have to open up our Bibles to do that. So it takes discipline, but it will transform you. Second thing is prayer. We know this. Prayer is one of those disciplines that all Christians want to do better. We know we need to do better, and yet we all, most, maybe not all, most of us continue to struggle with, right? So, four quick questions about prayer. 
How do we start? Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal. I press on. There I go. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, we press on. What does that mean when it comes to prayer? It means we just do it. You just start. When you don't know how and you don't know what to do, we just start. There are several types of prayer in the Bible. Confession, adoration, intercession, supplication. Those are kind of the same thing. Thanksgiving, petition, surrender, battle prayers, listening prayers. There's all these kind of prayers. And, spoiler, quarter two, we're going to go into these. All right? But the point is... We pick something, and we do it, and we start. So how do we start? We just do it, and this afternoon, I'm going to talk about a really simple way for you to start doing it, okay? So number two is God listening, as far as questions on prayer. All we need is the book of Psalms to see that God listens. That's all. If that's all we had, that's all we would need. He never tires of hearing from us. Whether we are praising him or whether we are crying out to him, he does not tire of us. Isn't that a cool thing? Prayer is not trying to get God's attention. We already have it. We have his attention. We are his. As Christians, children of the living God, we have his attention. His ear is already bent toward us. He's already listening. So Psalm, I'm not going to read all these, but Psalm 3, 4, Psalm 6, 9, Psalm 18, 6, Psalm 34, 15, Psalm 139, 1 through 4. Again, I just popped those all out. There will be a replay on those if you want to, and we will send out those scriptures later by email. But all you need to do is read those few scriptures, and you will know that he is listening. Your heart will be encouraged that he is listening. So how do I handle being distracted? I don't know about you, but distractions are everywhere, from my phone to my computer to my own children, right? The distractions pull me away from spiritual disciplines and pull me away from my prayer time. My to-do list will distract me even if it's not sitting in front of me because it's all I'm thinking about. Yes, am I alone in this? Please tell me I'm not. We can never get rid of these distractions. We can never get rid of all of them, but we can get better at ignoring them. I'm not telling you to ignore your young children if they're in distress. But we can get better at it, okay? One of the best things I've learned is to pray for God to help me to focus in prayer. It's a little meta, right? But that doesn't take long. It doesn't take long at all. You can pray for focus. So pick a passage, all right? Pick something kind of short. Not a brand new verse you've never studied before. Just pick something. Pick a passage, okay? Read the context. Read the passage. Read the context, all right? Read it over the passage several times. Just read it. Read it in different translations. Just read it. Okay? And then pray the passage. Begin like you would pray, Dear Father, da da da, you know, Heavenly Father. And just pray the passage. Read it. Pray it. Okay? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If it is in the Word of God, it is acceptable for you to pray it. You can figure it, you can figure it out. Even in Leviticus, you can figure it out. Okay? Um, you can practice with these Psalms Psalm 8. Psalm 42, 
Psalm 46. Respond to God in a letter, verbally, written, doesn't matter. Pray those prayers. Pray those passages. And then how do you say stay consistent in your prayer life? My perfectionist ways um, make it difficult for me to be consistent because I feel like if I don't have the right time, if I don't say the right thing, if I don't pray for the right people today, oh, I forgot to pray for so-and-so. I told them that I would. By the way, the pen and pay, I don't have my pen up here. But that bulletin is really, really awesome. The bulletin is really awesome as a prayer prompt. When you see people at church on Sunday, write their names down on the front of that bulletin. And then stick it in your Bible because hopefully you'll go back to your Bible because we're going to do that, right? And then you'll see that name and it will help you to remember to pray for them. So anyway, I get paralyzed sometimes because I, you know, I don't have time or forgotten, blah, blah, blah. I'm not doing it right. Um, there is no right way to pray when we're talking to our Father. Let the power of Christ in you rest on you. Keep prayer a consistent part of your day from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. Pray without ceasing. The Bible says that, right? It, doesn't, it does not mean we're on our knees all day long, ladies. It means that we are conversing with our Heavenly Father. And what a privilege that is. Consistency will not be found in just a day, in a week, a month, even a year potentially. We find consistently when we choose God every day. Every day. Okay? So it takes discipline, and it will transform you. The others are a little bit quicker. Worship. Psalm 95.6, it's just a quick worship verse. There's a lot of them. Worship is more than singing. It's more than corporate gathering. It's more than prayer. It's more than Bible study. It's more than any other discipline. It is how your heart and mind and body and soul respond to God. That is the spiritual discipline of worship. It is what we were created to do. I totally stole this next quote from Brad. You'll probably recognize it, but it's good. I don't even know where, where I found it, but I found it somewhere, so I'm going to say it. Simply put, worship can be defined as your right response to all that God is with all that you are. So it's your response to God. That's worship. Growing up, I grew up in a church where there was a big emphasis on the worship service. I was a worshiper because I was a singer. And um, I had a very faulty understanding of what it meant to worship. I was not clear. And it saddens me. I'm not perfect now at all by any stretch of the imagination. But it saddens me that so many of us do not completely understand that worship is more than singing beautiful worship songs. And I'm so thankful for that part of worship. I'm so thankful that my son married someone who is willing to lead others in worship. I'm very thankful. I know, she says, no, don't say anything. Um, I am beyond thankful for those that lead us in worship. But that's only a small part of it. Worship is where, what you do all day, right? Worship is, is, is your, your state of mind when you're doing the laundry, Worship is your state of mind when you are upset and how you respond to God and how you respond to your circumstances. God created you for his glory, 
And if we give him praise in all, it, that he's due in all aspects of our life, we're more satisfied. And that is worship. So Charles Spurgeon, you know, I can't leave with, I can't finish without a quote from him, says it would be very difficult to draw a line between holy wonder and real worship. For when the soul is overwhelmed with the majesty of God's glory, though it may not express itself in song or even utter its voice with bowed head or humble prayer, yet it silently adores. Right? So when our soul is overwhelmed with his majesty, we are worshiping. And that is where we should be. So it takes this one to remember this. It's not in our own strength that we can do this. Thank goodness. But it will transform you. Okay? Okay. So, what's next? Journaling. Journaling. Oh, journaling. Let's talk about journaling. Okay. So, by the way, worship's going to be quarter three. Journaling is going to be quarter four this coming up year. All right? Don't get scared. Journaling. The Bible doesn't specifically command us to journal like it does prayer, right? So, so you know, we're, we're moving outside the box just a little bit. But it does aid us in biblical obedience. And if you practice it, sometimes it will help us in our growth, okay? Now, there's a lot of different ways to do this. There's reflective journaling. There's truth journaling. There's scripture journaling. There's Bible journaling. There, there's all, the kind, all different kinds of journaling, okay? But... Um, there are ways in which we can take this practice of journaling, which we know our, our um, secular science tells us it's good for us. Gratitude journaling, right? Um, and we can take that and we can lead, it can lead us into transformation. So let's look at some ways in which journaling can be used as a tool. It's a tool. It's just a tool. It can help us to understand and examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11, Romans 12, 3. It can help us in recognizing, remembering, and preserving a record of God's deeds. Psalm 77, 11 and 12, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Psalm 102, 18. It can aid us in meditation which that word gets a little bit of a bad rap in the Christian circle. How many times does God say to meditate on his word, though? Meditation is important. That is considering God's word. It is not something that the world can steal from us and make us think it's not a good thing when we are focused on the word. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, 2 Timothy 2, 7, Joshua 1, 8. It can help us articulate what's in our heart. Psalm 51, 6. Psalm 62, 8. Psalm 45, 1. And following the example of recording how God speaks to you through his word is one of the things. It can help us to remember his, how he speaks to us. Deuteronomy 17, 18. Jeremiah 32. Journaling can help us to record his faithfulness in our lives. It can help us to understand his word better. It can help us remember who he is. It can help us understand how we're feeling. It can transform. 
when it's tethered to the gospel and to the word. Okay. Uh, all right. The next one. These are going to be. We're going to go real quick through these. Evangelism. That is the act of telling others about Jesus and the hope that He has given you. It means proclaiming to a dying world that the hope of the gospel is for them. Right. It, it, you're announcing to others that there is something worth knowing. There is someone worth knowing. That's someone they need. As believers, evangelism should be an integral part of our lives. It does not mean you have to stand up here and talk about it. Right? We wouldn't have time for that anyway. What it does mean, though, is that your life, as you're talking to people, you know, as, as, as it comes up in conversation, you're sharing the goodness and the faithfulness of God in your life and how it can be the same for them, right? It cannot be overlooked in our daily lives. It is important. God commands it of us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, making God his appeal through, making, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled with God. So when you get a chance, do a word study on the word ambassador. Write down the word ambassador if you're taking notes. When you go home, do a word study on that word. Reflect, and the verse again was 2 Corinthians 5.20. Reflect on how this changes or confirms the way you look at your role as an ambassador for Christ once you've really looked at that word. David Platt said, if we were left to ourselves with the task of taking the gospel to the world, we would immediately begin planning innovative strategies and plotting elaborate schemes. We would organize conventions, develop programs, and create foundations. But Jesus is so different from us. With the task of taking the gospel to the world, he wandered through the streets and byways. All he wanted was a few men who would think as he did, love as he did, see as he did, teach as he did, and serve as he did. All he needed was to revolutionize the hearts of a few, and they would impact the world. Think of evangelism in a different way. It's not hard, but it takes discipline, and it will transform you. Stewardship, when it comes to living a life given to the Lord, it's easy to forget about stewardship. Compared to the other things that seem pretty straightforward and obvious, this one can feel kind of vague and kind of unimportant. But as we study the Bible, we learn more about the heart of God, and we find that to the extent in which we practice stewardship, it will impact every part of our lives. While disciplines like prayer and Bible study are very clear-cut, Stewardship is a background player. It can make it hard to define it. But because it isn't really a, as much a physical action as a particular way to perform. Simply put, stewardship is doing everything we do in a high-quality way for the purpose of honoring God. Not glorifying us, but honoring God. It, the, the crux of stewardship is this. Everything belongs to God already. Everything we have, it is because of God. Therefore, we should take excellent care of it. We should thank him for what we have. And we should have a passion to see God's name proclaimed to everyone we meet. Psalm 24.1. All right. So, are you a good steward of your time, your relationships, your career, your home? Take time to think through it. It takes discipline. It will transform you. Silence and solitude. Psalm 46.10, that's, that's an, uh, they're kind of lumped together, okay? Um, God did it, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Jesus did it, Matthew 14.23. God commands it, Zephaniah 1.7. There's a whole stillness episode, a stillness exercise 
that you can do to kind of understand this spiritual discipline a little bit more. Um, basically, let me just briefly tell you, I know we're, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, running down, running out of time. We're going to keep moving though. Okay. Choose a place for stillness. Make sure your place is secluded. Set a timer for 10 minutes. This takes 10 minutes of your life. Physically be still in your quiet space. Take a deep breath. Ask the Lord for help in quieting your mind. Sit with your disappointments. Feel the reality of your limitations and your letdowns. Sit with them, allowing them to stir in you. It's okay to do that. Offer the time to the Lord in faith. Tell him you want to deliberately acknowledge his sovereignty and control in your life. Invite him to reveal himself in you in the stillness. And then wait for him. Don't go into this time with an agenda. Simply sit before him. If, if, if you go down rabbit trails, tell yourself gently, it's not time for rabbit trails, and invite the Lord to speak to you again. And then at the end of your time, journal. You see what I did there? Journal your thoughts regarding the exercise, whether it was really hard, whether it was really easy, whether you heard from God, whether you didn't hear from God, whether this was, you know, oh, this isn't helpful at all, whether this is super helpful. Put that together. Do that stillness episode 10 minutes. 10 minutes. It will transform you over time. Fasting is one of the hard ones, right? It's not glamorous. In fact, it can be very, very painful. We could do a whole, whole blurb on that. I could do a whole talk on that. I'm not going to. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, let me just popcorn a few scripture. Um, Acts 14, 23. Luke 4, 1 through 14. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3. Luke 2, 37. Matthew 9, 14 through 16. Judges 20, 26. Jonah 3, 6 through 10. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4. And Ezra 8, 21 through 23. Why is this an important discipline? It humbles us. It cuts through our pretenses, exposing our desperate need for God. All right, it's particularly difficult to practice. We could talk about it longer. I'm not going to, but it can transform you. It will transform you. Hospitality. You guys have the gift, gift of hospitality. We're in the South. Look at these beautiful tables. We know how to do this, right? We do. But let's flip it a minute. Let's flip it and think about hospitality from a biblical perspective. All right? It's not about the casseroles. Although I love me some casseroles. It's not about the tablescapes, although these are gorgeous. Right? It is about the love of strangers. The reception and entertainment of strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality is what Webster's even says about it. Okay, biblical hospitality is much the same. It means to receive, to love on, to welcome guests and strangers without seeking a reward. Biblical hospitality is being kind and generous with our time and resources for the purpose of bringing glory to God and showing others his love. That is a recurrent theme in these spiritual disciplines. People crave belonging. They want to know that they are welcome. They want to know they're not a burden. When we embrace our calling to show hospitality to strangers, to our brothers and sisters of Christ, to those in this church, to non-believers and believers, we mirror what God has done for them. We mirror the gospel. 
that God welcomes us in Romans 15, 7. He calls us his friends in John 15, 15. He gives us access to himself in Romans 5, 1 through 2. And we can choose to live a life of hospitality, and we put these truths on display for everyone to see. It will transform you. And then the last one is gratitude. And gratitude may not seem like really a, a spiritual discipline because there's been a lot of research for it and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's good for us, counting your blessings. We know all that. It doesn't surprise us. But considering the fact that we were created by God for worship, for gratitude to him, these should not be surprised. Should not be a surprise. When you look behind the purpose behind gratitude, it is ultimately intended to glorify God, and it makes perfect sense. We're forgetful people. We need constant reminders. Brad says it from the pulpit all the time. We have gospel amnesia. We need to remember persistent, consistent gratitude is one way to do this. James 1.17, what does this tell us about everything we've been given? It's all been given to us through God. Okay. In the end, we must realize that God is the final object of our praise. We can be thankful for others. We can be grateful for them. But God is the final object of our gratitude and our praise. Don't lose sight of the one who's worthy of our gratitude. So the last thing I'm going to say about spiritual disciplines, and I have 30 seconds to do it. So here we go. The last thing I'm going to say is that we've touched on several of them. But we have to remember the most important question, and I touched on it earlier on in the talk, and that is why should we even do these things? Why should we engage in spiritual disciplines? And the answer is beautifully simple and impactful and profound. We practice spiritual disciplines not just for our own spiritual growth, but also to point others to Christ. We've already mentioned this. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others. We're to reflect God's image. As we practice the spiritual disciplines, we will do this. We are to model Christ's love, right? By practicing these consistently, we're better equipped to model Christ's responses to adversity, injustice, and suffering, which we see in the world today. We can model what Christ's response to these things when we know them, when we, when we practice these things, right? We can share Christ's hope, the only hope. Spiritual disciplines will empower us to share the hope of God. When we engage in these practices, we invite God to work through us when we pray to him. When we learn about him through Bible study, we, we understand who he is more. We become conduits of his love. And then we invite others into this journey with us. This journey of, of traveling through the spiritual disciplines and gaining, gaining sanctification and gaining transformation and going from this to this, right? The, of course, the number one transformation, that justification we talked about, that is the most important thing in anyone's life. And we can invite others into this. It's an invitation to others. Remember that the spiritual disciplines are not a checklist. I just gave you a bunch of them. I promise they're not a checklist, though. They're not a burden. They are a privilege, and they are a responsibility and an opportunity. They're our means of drawing closer to God and leading others in his presence. So we're going to encourage, we're going to embrace spiritual disciplines. We're going to encourage one another in our growth, in our spiritual growth. We're going to be rooted and built up. That's what's on your verse, on your frame and on your table that's what's on your t-shirt we will become women who are rooted and built up in christ in him 
Colossians 2 says. We will become these women because we are growing. We are transforming by the power of Christ in us. Not anything we can do. We're all great people. We can't do it, though. Yes? So we will be transformed slowly but surely until one day when we hit that final transformation, that glorification, that day when we see him face to face. And what a day that will be. So, as we kind of transition into this next part of our discussion, I pray that God's blessings continue to abound in your life and that you continue to be stirred up to do these things as the body of Christ. And I think that that's it. We're, we're going to transition into a time. I'm going to pray in just one minute before we do that. We're going to transition into a time of um, talking in a table, at, at your table. Um, there are some questions, and Allison is here somewhere. There she is. She's going to come up, and she's going to explain this to us more. Um, but I encourage you to not be intimidated by this part. Don't be scared. It's okay. I know this is always super awkward, right? This is a super awkward part. It's okay. It really is. It's okay. I survived the last 45 minutes. Y'all can handle this. All right, let's close the session in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these women that I am looking at today. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for um, the, the tools that you have laid out before us and given us that allow us to see you more, to know you more, to become more like you. Thank you, Father, for these spiritual disciplines. They are not easy. They are difficult. And as we move into a time this afternoon of kind of getting some practical steps to take in our growth, just be with us in this. Remind us that it is your strength in us and not our strength. It is not us. It is you. It is all you. And we praise you for being here, for allowing us to be here. We thank you for the husbands who are keeping children, for the fathers, for the, uh, for the sacrifices that were made to be here today for these women. And I pray blessing over the rest of the time that we have together, and particularly this time coming up as we discuss these truths among each other. In your name we pray, amen.